0: Welcome back, mighty Vandals, to tubs at the club. Brought to you this week by Snake River Stampede Whiskey. But we'll tell you a little bit more about that later on in the show. We are the Idaho Vandals affiliate on the Big Sky Podcast Network. As always, I am your host, Dallas Hammer. Joined today by brave, bold, Brian Marceau.
1: Three days, man. Or four, depending on how you choose to count. The best time of the year is commencing. It's just good to be back.
0: And always, the producer seducer himself. Martin Heemstra.
2: Football's almost here. I have my marching band work playlist and I am excited for this football season to finally commence so I have something to be else to be excited about.
0: Guys, speaking of that excitement, as Brian said, we are somewhat between 3 and 4 days away from Idaho's first game of the season on the road against the Lamar Cardinals.
1: Brian, what do we know about Lamar off the top? What we know about Lamar is, look, the FCS works different than the FBS, of course, in terms of like buy games and who hosts, who's able to host, who who's willing to host. Who, on paper, week one, Lamar is a buy game for Idaho. Last season, Lamar finished one and ten, lost to the Ed McCaffrey led Northern Colorado Bears, twenty one to fourteen. In in Sagrin ratings, which hey we our listeners know, and hey, we don't fetish, fetishize Sagrin ratings, but it's not an awful way to have a baseline for who the team is. Uh, Lamar was a bottom tw- bottom twenty one FCS team in the entire nation last season, so bad that Lamar fired their coach, uh, who went five and twenty three. His name is Blaine Morgan. Went five and twenty three in the COVID year plus two normal years, which means this week will be the. at at least at Lamar uh, game one of Peter Rosamondo. I know I butchered the dude's name, his, his time at Lamar, which means, look, there's a lot of stuff from last season that we're going to throw out the window based off how look at a place fires a coach. Idaho knows what that turnaround can be like, but the baseline we're looking at from Lamar is last season. This was a team that was, you know, worse than Idaho state on paper and talent wise. We, if things are going well, we're going to get into the nitty-gritty in a second. This is the type of opening game a lot of us want a good Idaho team to have. To, to, a good chance to pick up an FCS win and some margin for error to work out some kinks just in case everyone doesn't hit the ground running. But there are reasons to pay attention to Lamar uh, Dallas, which you're, you're probably going to hit on these guys in a second. Lamar isn't talent-free by any means in spite of finishing 1-10 last year. The Idaho should kick their ass.
0: Yeah, they do have a handful of guys that made the all-conference team. Now, again, this is the Southland Conference. It's not the Big Sky. It's not the MVFC. This is this is certainly a lower level of FCS football. But uh, their running back is the first team running back in the conference, uh, Kalen Griffin Jr. Uh, Kalen Griffin, he is a junior, excuse me, uh, 619 rushing yards last year, six touchdowns, averaged 5.7 yards a carry. There's a whole bunch of talent there. And then in the second team, they do have a receiver uh, returning, Savon Ray. He only had 23 receptions last year, but he had 438 yards out of him. So you're averaging just about 20 yards a carry. Pretty good talent there as well. They also have two defensive backs that were named to the second team as well: uh, Christian Pugh and Raymond Stevens. Uh, Brian, this, so we've got talent a little bit. Uh, you know, running back and receiver, a couple guys on each side of the ball. A quarterback is the big scare here. If you're if you're a Lamar fan that's listening to us, which I can't imagine there in there are anyone, but if there were not a whole lot of experience here Michael Chandler the second is their fourth year sophomore he started eight games last year he's the only returning quarterback with any real experience uh on paper guys this is this is a matchup Idaho should should
1: go away and winning pretty easily yeah and quarterback it's um it's hard to have any idea what what the hell Lamar is going to have at quarterback the reason I bring that up is look last year uh, the, the guy who started for Lamar for most of the season his name is Michael Chandler II. He theoretically has the edge, you might say, on paper based off starting eight of 11 games last season. The dude's a fourth year sophomore heading into this year, mix of, of traditional redshirt, COVID year plus injuries. So, again, on, on paper, he's a sophomore but age-wise the guy is a senior and I bring you guys can hear the trepidation in my voice talking about what the hell is going to happen with Lamar quarterback because Michael Chandler last year there's one thing we know he can't do as a quarterback and that's pass at all the dude completed 42.6 percent of his passes last year he was 87 of 204 uh, through eight touchdowns and seven picks the head coach Ross Mondo has been open saying it's a quarterback competition. If you look through the notes from their most recent Lamar scrimmage, Chandler did not get the most reps um, under center. That went to uh, Jacoby Longino, who completed five of nine passes last year for 93 yards and no touchdowns. Uh, team also has you know a theoretical dark horse in Aiden McCown, son of. Uh, former NFL, I say journeyman, not as put down every, if, if you're my age or Dallas's age, you, you probably heard of Josh McCown being on just about every goddamn team in the NFL. Well, that's his son, Aiden McCown. He's on Lamar, So that guy, you might call a dark horse, maybe come out of nowhere, but on paper, it seems like the, the battle is really between Chandler and Longino, uh, neither in really scares me as, as a vandal and as a guy who has trust in our secondary, but that kind of just matches who Lamar was last season. Lamar wasn't offensively a dumpster, exactly a dumpster fire in either direction. They just were kind of underwhelming passing and underwhelming rushing and that they're underwhelming on the other side of the ball. And that's how you win one game in the Southland conference. So, you know, at least Dallas, you, you talked about their number, their wide receiver Rhea making second team all Southland. I actually have, no idea how a dude could show out enough to make second team when you're starting quarterback completed 42% of your passes. That makes Mason Petrino sound like a Heisman trophy winner. But th- look, that's why this, that's what Lamar is for Idaho. That's why, I, that's why I preface this as, Hey, for Idaho, this is a buy game. And I guess we're probably going to have to talk about the ways Idaho would theoretically screw this up. Cause just on paper, this is the type of team I'm not nervous about whatsoever, especially when the quarterback discussion is dude who can't complete a ball to anyone or dude who was not good enough to beat out the guy who couldn't complete a pass to anyone last season. Dallas is muted. Yep. And- there we go. Can we That's- at least acknowledge it's been a long time since I was the guy fucking up the mute thing, which means I'll do it later. To be fair, it's because I have my fucking
0: asshole cat at the door just scratching away. I'm not entirely sure. I think Izzy might have fallen asleep on the couch. We're both running on about two hours of sleep. So... My fault. I double-muted myself trying to prevent anybody from hearing that. If anybody heard the giant loud explosion, I apologize. That was me slamming my door trying to get him to run away. Anyways, back on track. Brian, I think the other thing that's really terrifying about Lamar, if you're, if you're trying to, like again, approach this as a Lamar person, trying to talk yourself into this, Peter Rosamondo, when he was a head coach at Central Connecticut in the FCS uh, five, six years ago, he ran virtually exclusively 11 personnel which is not typically something you want to do when you have a quarterback that again completes 42 percent of his passes or the other kid that went five for nine with 90 yards he got 30 of those on one pass so i brian it, it's really it, it's really tough this is going to be the i think the game that is the biggest cakewalk for idaho maybe outside of isu i i, I still feel like that's just going to be a 70 to zero bloodbath but if you're Idaho, what are you looking to get out of this game? Obviously you're looking to go down there and win you're
1: looking to get out of there healthy but what what is an, a successful game look like for Idaho? So here? hey I'm gonna walk back one step because you actually brought up the only thing in my mind and I uh, that should maybe make Vandals a little bit anxious about this game with Lamar is Ross Amondo is a good coach. He has a track record of winning both at D two level and at the FCS level, you referenced coaching at, at Coastal Carolina. He coached there, or not Carolina, good Lord, uh, Coastal Connecticut. He coached, and that's an FCS team. He coached there for five years, inherited year one, they won three games. By his fourth year, the team won eight games. This guy's a offensive line coach, kind of like Jason Eck was prior to becoming a head coach. So you know, we we've referenced on this show within the big sky, offensive line coaches sometimes feel like they're a little bit better at owning their own lane. And letting other people do their job i don't know if that's just in the dna of being an offensive lineman themselves but uh ross between d2 and fcs time the guys picked up four conference coach of the year awards so to me really that is the x factor for lamar against idaho is with a guy who if idaho state hired ross that to me would have been a better hire than cody hawkins if uh, Portland state could have hired Ross Mondo. That'd be better than Bruce Barnum. The Ross Mondo is a guy you can understand landing at a, you know, lower to mid tier big sky school and being a kind of splashy hire. So the X factor to me for Lamar is how much of a turnaround can Ross Mondo get in this short timeframe? And can Lamar catch Idaho on a underwhelming week one outing? Cause otherwise, cause that's the way, to me, Lamar has any sort of chance of, of beating an Idaho team, which you you, you, the initial question you asked Dallas, what should Idaho be looking for? Idaho really kicked ass and out of conference last season. Idaho hit the ground running against the FBS teams and then, you know, beat the hell out of Drake in the Kibbe dome opener. I think the first thing we want to see is, Hey, is the magic of the first year of Jason Eck and his staff looking like it's just complete competence. And that's all that there really is to understand about the crew Uh, for them to repeat that a second year. You can understand like year one, there's kind of that energy of, Hey, we need to prove that uh, we belong in a way that maybe Idaho wasn't understood at that point. People don't understand Idaho as a disappointment anymore. It's a different world to be understood as a team. That's, you know, media picked Idaho to finish number two. That's different expectations. That's a different frame of mind. So what I'm hoping to see out of Idaho, just in a broad sense, is the team that was fun as hell, the team that was pretty dang good almost all of last season, they hit the ground running without really any kinks, Dallas.
0: Yeah, honestly, Brian, I'm looking for Jack Lane to play in this game. That, to me, is the sign of a successful game. I want to see the offense execute the way that they should against a considerably more more inferior opponent. There's there's, there's just no way to say it. I, Looking at this roster, and obviously I'm, I'm not the world's biggest expert on Lamar football, but looking at this roster, I can't really think of any spots that I would take what they have over what Idaho has. This should be again, an overmatched game in all three phases. If you're Idaho, you're looking for that, getting the guys, the second string guys that you don't have redshirt concerns with those are the guys that should be getting in there if there are guys that are planned to play four games and still save their red shirt this is the kind of game you want them to get into it's still an fcs opponent it still matters but there's there's definitely a, a little bit easier track playing against this team than there is you know against uc davis or sac state or one of the, the middle the top middle tiers in the big sky that's that's really what I'm looking for. In the comment section, Taylor Cash, obviously it's on the screen for those watching, heavy rotation on the front seven, lots of guys getting reps. It's absolutely what I want to see. The, those second-string linebackers, x Alexander, Jackson Eck, I want to see those guys getting in, getting some playing time, because this is this is the time. If you're looking for a guy to get a little bit of seasoning in college football, you do
1: it against the team that won five games in the last three years. Well, and hey, to buttress that point, one of the big matchups in this game is for idaho it's a strength on weakness of idaho you know elite wide receivers plus very good quarterback lamar was the worst southland team against the pass last season gave up 18 touchdowns allowed 64 completion percentage which was worst in league 18 touchdowns was worst in the league as well had the worst defensive efficiency against the pass and that's that's even with two defensive backs who were second team all southland so like this is I don't, we we know Jason X gonna run and pass. I mean, Idaho does both. And Jason Eck, has, you know, his last handful of years, it's been leaning a little more heavily into the run than the pass. But look, Lamar, if we're if we're gonna see a guy like Jack Lane, Dallas, I mean, Lamar is a great team to show some fireworks early and get some separation that, that could allow for some of the, you know, playing some of the backups like you talked about, especially when you look at you look at the two deep. We we, we hit on it last week, but in the linebackers alone we have three true freshmen one of them starting well sorry not three freshmen what two of them are two freshmen dylan lane is a redshirt freshman he's starting at the will linebacker uh, jackson eck is number two at the at the mic and then we have extra alexander who's the number two at the sam so Get seeing seeing those guys play. I, I really do want to see all all those linebackers play Dallas. Yes, that that the perspective talent of those young dudes who we know that's a position of anxiety for us relative to finishing in the top of Big Sky, but that many young guys. If we can keep that core together, so sounds so damn promising from this far away. I do want to actually see all those guys play and see how that looks actualized on the field.
0: And lo- logically, we should see that uh, the guys in the comment section are doing a great job letting us know of it's Beaumont, Texas. It's going to be miserable there. I just Googled the the weather. Beaumont, Texas Thursday is expected to be 99 degrees with a considerable amount of humidity. It's it's going to be hot enough out there that we should see a lot of that. I, I would hope we see a lot of that. The other thing, Brian, that I want to see is absolutely zero flash. I do not want to see any trick plays. I do not want to see anything crazy. I want to see Idaho go pretty vanilla for this. I just don't think you need to be... Rolling out if if Giovanni McCoy has a a trick reception play in here somewhere, this is not the game I want to see. That this is the type of game that I'm I'm looking to see. Pretty basic formations, pretty basic routes. You should be able to just out talent this team without having to necessarily out coach them. And that's that's the other thing I want to see. I don't want to. I don't. You know, we didn't see a ton of. The, the Jason Ek Trick plays like uh, we were hoping to see when we were doing all the research about South Dakota State, I think we might see a little bit more of that in year two where, again, he's talked a lot about the times that Idaho had bad plays. It was because Idaho didn't execute rather than the other team making better plays. This is the kind of game where, hey, let's stick to what we saw last year, a lot of the same concepts. Let's not get get funny with this. Let's save that card for when we might need to play it later because again you have to play the game but on paper this
1: this lines up for Idaho winning this by 30. One last thing to pay attention to to me is the two dudes we have starting at the edges where we've got Keyshawn James Newby on one side and we've got Malachi Williams on the other those are like we we lost both start Idaho lost both starters last season on the edge so these are guys who I mean that we've they've seen the field but um I feel like if those guys are going to replace what Idaho lost or you know, replace 80% of what Idaho lost, we're probably going to have at least two or three plays from this game where we say, hey, I see that speed on the edge. I understand why Malachi Williams is going to be just fine here.
0: Brian, I don't want to go right into the too deep because I I was immediately going to start bringing up other positions, but I'm going to make a quick pivot here. We've spoken a lot about the offensive line and how the offensive line, you know, the other side of the ball here, sorry for the odd odd transition, but we've we've spoken a lot about the offensive line is just not quite where it needs to be because it's it takes so much time to get guys built up through the program. Looking at the depth chart where you have two redshirt freshmen at right tackle, you have a freshman backup left tackle, freshman backup center. Those are the kinds of guys I want to see get a, a ton of playing time because this is the, the place where they can be kind of safe. I would assume they're going to hold up well enough against the Southland guys. Really hope that we see a, a good amount of that in the fourth quarter
2: to,
1: uh, on Thursday night. I, I guess I I got to hit the two deep again, too. Um, just because this has been posted already, guys. It's up on the screen if you're listening. But the our, we already discussed the whole strength on weakness, Idaho's pass game, Lamar's inability to defend the pass but we already knew who the wide receivers at Idaho were, but God damn it. Look at that too deep where we've got Therese trainer, Hayden Hatton, of course, and Jermaine Jackson as your top three, but then guys, Michael Graves and Jordan Dwyer are receivers four and five. My, my God. it's a, it's, a, it's absolute riches in the skill position. That's why I, I think this Idaho team is going to score absolutely as much as they want to against Lamar.
0: Brian, let's not forget. Tommy Hauser is not a huge name, But we heard a lot of smoke around him in the in the spring. So, uh, you know, it's spring ball, but it's not like it's five receivers. And then our
1: sixth receiver is just me running routes out there. Yeah. I wish there were lines available just for the sake of seeing this, because, well, let me put it this way. If you go to ESPN right now, you can see that the listed ticket prices for the game at Lamar right now are ten dollars. I'm pretty sure Idaho spread is going to be greater than the cost to actually get into the game.
0: I would just like to point out uh, a guest in the comment section, Treep Talks uh, of the Lewiston Tribune. That's uh, Trevin Pixley. If anyone uh, isn't familiar, v good about the wide receiving (laughs) Brian.
1: I I knew we should have had Trevin on this episode. Absolutely knew it. Kevin, thanks for helping us on the comment section. Okay, so Dallas, I I guess, is there any area of Idaho right now that you feel we need to kind of hit on for Lamar? Because I think both of us are on the same page. We're, you know, hey, what's a win for Idaho? I I don't mean at the literal level because obviously Idaho is going to be favored in this game. This is a bye game. So the math should be different for Idaho in this game. Um, To me, No injuries. No key injuries, of course, is part of the win and winning by, I think, I think three scores. If this game is, is still in doubt halfway through the third quarter, I'm not going to call it a loss, but I'm going to call it a little underwhelming uh, as a start because Idaho now has a chance this week to, you know, answer a little bit of like, hey, is the offseason hype warranted? We we all know at least some of the hype is, but at some point the games are played and at some point beating the shit out of the teams you should beat the shit out of early in the season does matter. Look at how Montana coasted into the playoffs last season. These not only winning, but winning with style points is like, I, I get, I don't necessarily like that. The style points matter, but we know they do. So to me, a win for Idaho is not only obviously walking away with the W obviously walking away healthy, but winning by enough points that your guys were voting for rankings and your guys who are potentially involved in the playoff selection have another a week to point out to that makes Idaho stand out relative to a ton of the field.
0: Yep. Yeah. Brian, just to uh, realistically, I'm just going to repeat what you just said. This is the type of game that Idaho has to win by a ton to feel good about. If I, I think if you get to halftime and this game is not essentially put away, I think that the coaching staff will, will be upset about that. This is, This is just this is the type of game. If Idaho is truly the number eight team in the country, or number eleven, there's so many different rankings, but Idaho is being slotted somewhere between five and fifteen. If Idaho is truly a top fifteen team in this league, in this conference, and this league, you have to go absolutely beat the shit out of again the fifth or sixth best team in or fifth or sixth best conference in FCS and one of the worst teams in that conference.
1: Yeah, Lamar preseason polls number seven out of eight
0: yeah this is this is bad like this this should be an ugly game that there are even vandal fans turning off by the fourth quarter that's what type of game this should be and if it's not that i'm gonna guess that there's gonna be a little bit of frustration in the vandal
1: locker room you know with that i i think we're just about ready to pick the score dude but first Waiting
0: for the video. There we go. If you are looking for a great, all-inclusive, week-long vacation, don't look past your backyard. Hughes River Expeditions has been vandaloned and operated since 1976, and they're ready to take you on the vacation of a lifetime. Enjoy a multi-day trip down the Middle Fork of the Salmon, the main Salmon River of No Return, the Salmon River Canyons, or the Selway. You can even check out special trips like one to see the Perseid Meteor Shower, camp on pristine beaches, Run amazing whitewater, hike scenic trails, spot wildlife, soak in the beautiful natural hot springs. You can even fish some of the most remote stretches of river in the entire country. Just bring your clothes, let HRE handle the rest. Grab a paddle, catch dinner, and ride the bull all throughout the Gem State. Call them now, 800-262-1882, or check them out at HughesRiver.com. So,
1: Brian, score prediction. So last season, an average an average Lamar loss just on the year was a thirty a thirty seven to thirty thirty seven to thirty eight to twenty one point game. I'm gonna go Idaho forty five to forty five to thirteen. Mr. Martin Heemstra.
2: Brian was clearly looking for a score because I put uh, Idaho 45-17.
0: Look, guys, I am going to read a couple off of the comment section because somebody has already jumped in with my prediction. Captain 58 saying Idaho 52-14. Max Antouche saying Idaho 55-10. Tom Kendall 55-13. James Howard, Idaho 35. Lamar, seven. But time of possession over 45 minutes. I would love to see that. Taylor Cash, Idaho 45-17. Jason Mayer, 48-7. Jalen Drake, 57-10. Tubbs at the club, 69-4.2. to 4. 2. Love that. Zero. For, sorry, 4.20. I'm sorry, Brian. I, I was assuming that was obvious enough, but yes, you're right. So, Max is the guy who picked out my my score. I'm thinking Idaho 55-10, and honestly, that 10 better be some garbage time points because this, guys, this this should be the worst game of the year. This, this should be a beating so bad. That Lamar is afraid to come back in 2026. That's what this should be. This should be a, oh shit. We maybe shouldn't have signed that deal. That's what this game should end up being. And if it's not, Idaho's going to have some work to do for week two.
1: Yeah. I mean, to, to put it very narrowly, Idaho's going to have to absolutely face plant for this to be a close game because the Lamar just, they don't do it. This isn't a Cal Poly last season where Cal Poly could put up points. They passed the ball. They just couldn't do anything else. Lamar just isn't very good at essentially anything unless they've had some wild recruits, but just based off the returning guys on the offense, there's no look. Lamar is not going to win any sort of shootout against Idaho for, for this, for Lamar to have a chance. This has to be a very low scoring game. And I don't think Idaho is going to play a ton of low scoring games between the talent and the play calling that we have in Moscow that, this is the kind of game you could understand Montana tripping over their dicks by rushing to third and long every time. That's just that's just not on the plate. I don't think that's even a theoretical option for Idaho. There's, they can score too well, and Lamar just doesn't defend well. So realistically, Idaho's going to have to have a ton of unforced errors that equates turnovers, or I don't know how else the game's close.
0: Yeah, The final thing I want to say, I I missed uh, the last half of Jason Mayer's comment. Uh, Idaho calling off the horses early being the reason they ended up at 48-7. There is a chance this game could be something like 42-7, to 42-10, but that would have to be, like, you see Jack Lane and the entire second string offense go out for the entire fourth quarter. See the same thing with the, the secondary and the front seven of the defense. That's really the only way that this shouldn't be a blowout. but. Nate Mink might be a 420 situation by halftime. Uh, I think that was 42-0. I read that wrong. Uh, Might be a 42-0 situation by halftime. Guys, there's just no other way to say it. Idaho should absolutely cream Lamar. Let's move on. Big Sky Pick'em. I don't remember what our standings were last year because we deleted it out of the outline and I didn't save it anywhere. Uh, So we're just going to pretend that we all won because Idaho was pretty good last year. We're going to cop out. That'll work for everybody?
2: You have team participation trophy.
0: Yes. All right. Guys, we're going to just jump right into top five Portland State taking on their in-state rival, the now Big Ten Oregon Ducks. Well, 2024 Big Ten Oregon Ducks.
1: I mean... Obviously, we're top five. Portland State is a threat, especially if you're, they're taking on a formerly power five. You see that symmetry matchup. But look, obviously, we picked Portland State num- number 11 in the big sky. So obviously, we're expecting Oregon to win by as many points as the Ducks want to. Martin?
2: Uh, I'm mean, Yeah, Oregon should win this by like 63 points or something.
0: Yeah, in the comment section, Oregon by forty. Taylor Cash sixty nine zero. Tom Kendall, Oregon sixty six. PSU three. This this game this game will make you question your love of football. The this is one of those games that if you can watch this on TV, I you are a sicko just like I am. Jumping ahead, let's get back to the game that's maybe a little bit more interesting than that. We forgetting, forgetting something. Am I forgetting something? What am little
2: I forgetting, river,
0: Martin? Little Snake River. Oh, we just, yeah, we blew right
1: past the, uh, man. We're all
2: excited to pick top five Portland State versus Oregon. We forgot something. just wanted which to is, get right to the I, joke. And, and I
1: don't know how. I mean, I, I understand jumping to the top five Portland State joke, but like, it's, if there's one thing in my life I'm probably not forgetting, it's my Snake River Stampede Whiskey, which I buy by the handle. So look, here, here's the deal, Snake River, guys. It's made by the same people who organize the Snake River Stampede Rodeo, which is the largest volunteer run rodeo in the United States. Snake River Stampede is Canadian whiskey. It is one of the best buys in terms of, you know, both quality and price that you're going to get in Idaho. And part of what makes it stand out, especially compared to Canadian whiskies, is your core and forward Canadian whiskies are going to have a little, they're a little bit more likely to showcase the finishing process. And Snake River Stampede. It has double barrel finishing first in, in former bourbon barrels. So we, that imparts some of that like Brown sugar, some of that like Oak quality to the like vanilla flavor out of the corn. But then it gets finished in Oloroso Sherry casks, which adds a kind of cherried candy finish to it as well. So it's again, it's, Made by people in the northwest. I mean, well, obviously, Canadian whiskey is distilled in Canada, but everything else is done in the United States. It's northwest-based. It's people supporting vandals. It's people in our own neck of the woods taking care of each other through the through the volunteer rodeo and through the whiskey. So, buy Snake River Stampede, dude. If you haven't tried it for your tailgate, I'm not going to talk about other Canadian whiskeys. But if you haven't done this one, this is the one you need to try.
0: And that should have been. Right before we started Big Sky Pick'em, so we're going to pretend. Guys, quick recap, rewind. Participation trophies all around. Woo, yay. PSU versus Oregon. 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 Boom, okay. We should talk about Oregon Portland State more. Mm, we probably should, but and now we just don't have the time. I'm sorry, that was a really stupid joke, and I regret doing that. Anyways, guys, let's move forward. Cal Poly versus San Diego. This is the third year in a row,
1: I believe, that Cal Poly and San Diego have played. Okay, this game is interesting. It's interesting to me because if Cal Poly is going to make that – the Cal Poly barely beat San Diego last season. And if Cal Poly is going to make any sort of step out of the basement, the complete, unfinished, lights-burned-out basement to the big sky that Idaho State hangs out in right now, San Diego is the kind of team that Cal Poly needs to handle a little more easily than they did last year. I I think Cal Poly is going to win this game, and I think they're going to win by, by more than a single score. But I'm not kidding, dude. This is a game I have my eyes on because if, if Cal Poly is going to be a threat in the big sky, we're going to have to see something against a team like San Diego which, that we didn't see last year.
2: I don't have a whole lot of analysis. I didn't do much research into this. I, I just I, something I just wanted to pick San Diego, Pioneer League team getting that win over a Big Sky school.
0: In uh, in twenty twenty one, Cal Poly did beat San Diego by eleven. I think Cal Poly is going to win this game. I I think that they will out talent San Diego. San Diego has a brand new head coach, uh, the most winningest coach in program history. The school, if, if anybody cares about Pioneer League drama. The school says he retired. He says he got fired. They're still kind of at odds about it, but long story short, San Diego has a new head coach. I would expect Cal Poly wins this by multiple scores. Uh, In the comment section, Captain 58, Cal Poly by two TDs. Jason Mayer, 21-17, Cal Poly. Tom Kendall, 24-14, Cal Poly. Tom admitting he has zero research on this one. Mostly like us. I mean, really, Tom, we didn't do that much more. It's San Diego. Nobody cares. Next up, we're going to go with Montana versus Butler.
1: Well, this is a bye game for Montana. So Montana, and Butler is a another pioneer league school. Butler sucks at football. This is a game Montana should win by 45, and it's the type of game Montana typically does win by 45.
2: Butler causes upsets in the NCAA basketball tournament. They cause an upset this week against Montana Butler.
0: I love it. I would love, I would love to see that Uh, Butler did win seven games in the pioneer league last year, Uh, came in fourth uh, in the conference five and three. Uh, All this to say, this is the exactly what Idaho Lamar is. If Montana doesn't absolutely blow this team out of the water, it's a disappointment for them. So fingers crossed. We see that. Uh, And in the, comment section pretty much ftg from everyone here tom Kendall, 31 7 Cap Dan, just a straight ftg montana uh wrestled the sheep into submission 56 year from jason Mayer, guys montana's going to in this game
1: but enough said Norfolk, the most Colorado, Colorado. interesting thing to look in out of this game is whether montana looks like they're gonna throw they're gonna throw the, the ball around at all and whether Brent piece has any sort of flexibility that we did not see out of Montana last season, because like, we're talking about a lot of these by games Dallas is like, what, what are the big sky takeaways we hit on Idaho? Montana has a huge question mark around is Bobby, how going to let the offense be something other than a catastrophe. Uh, if we see that a little more flexible play calling in this game, it's entirely possible. Like that's the takeaway, but also Montana could win this game because their defense forces turnovers, they score points on special teams. And we have no idea.
0: Exactly. Uh, Jalen Drake saying Montana 21-7. If Montana wins this game 21-7, it absolutely means that they're shuffling the deck chairs on the Titanic over there. The offense is never going to change. Fingers crossed we see that. Northern Colorado versus ACU in Ed
1: Lamb's first game, replacing Ed McCaffrey. So because we are not a WAC slash United Athletic whatever, they're not, the the United Athletic's not an unofficial conference but I'm just going to call them that. Dallas, we're not a we are not a United Athletic Conference podcast. Do you know what Abilene Christian's record was last season? Do you want me pre- to pretend I don't? I looked it up earlier when I was doing research. I'm sorry. So you know you know Abilene Christian was seven and four, six and four versus D1 last season. Mm-hmm. Now the whack uh A Sun last of last season was nowhere near the big sky, but the on-paper metrics, as in like, hey, last year, Abilene Christian had a winning record. Uh, Sagren has Abilene Christian rated about 30 slots above Northern Colorado for this game. I really want to pick Northern Colorado, but the game's also at Abilene Christian. So as much as I do want Northern Colorado to have like some sort of turnover, and I do believe in Lamb, I think Abilene Christian is going to win this game.
2: I have done absolutely zero research, as I do for as tradition is for all these games. I go in with Northern Colorado.
0: So Patty Ferk's in the conference jumping, or Patty Furks in the comments jumping in to say, ACU was mid in conference in a bad conference. He's picking UNC by two scores. T Cash, ACU twenty one twenty. Guys, I'm, I tend to agree. I think this is going to be a pretty close game. Uh, Jason Mayer, twenty four sixteen. I'm picking ACU, but I'm I'm going to go with twenty one seventeen. I think this is pretty close. Don't think it's super high scoring. Any final comment, Brian?
1: No, th- this is uh, one of the interesting out of conference games to me because it's you know it's FCS on FCS for the Big Sky. We tend to just write off when it's D two or FBS games because what the hell are we supposed to learn from those? I I really want Northern Colorado to be as competent as I think they could be. And I guess, look, here's the takeaway for this game. If Northern Colorado is going to be able to uh, maybe spoil any team's playoff hopes with a surprise win during the conference season, I think we'll see something in this matchup against Abilene Christian because, look, Patty's right. The WAC is a significantly weaker conference than the Big Sky. Look, Southern Utah went to the WAC and suddenly looked kind of, not good, but like kind of okay-ish. Whereas in the Big Sky, they've just been garbage uh, for quite a while, but we one year at a non-premier school like Northern Colorado, it well actually one off season for Ed Lamb, it's not that much time, so I that's that's why I feel okay about the Abilene Christian, and also Abilene Christian's kind of relative to that conference, they are they're trending upward.
0: Yeah, their uh, they're coaching staff in their second season at ACU, I think if you play this game two years from now, I'm assuming Northern Colorado wipes the floor with them, but I, I gotta agree, I just don't see it in year one, Tom Kendall saying ACU 28-14, Captain58 jumping in to say, after shitting on the McCaffreys for all these years, I do owe UNC a pick, Northern Colorado by three here's another uh, very interesting game guys, Sac State versus Nichols State uh, Nichols State famous for that little bit of time we thought Austin Clunch might be coming over to Idaho as the new basketball coach.
1: Well, hold up. What do you mean? That's not the only thing they're famous for. Nickel State is the only team who lost to Lamar last year.
0: <laughs> He's not kidding, though. Nickel State, not great.
1: Yeah, they're a, they're a not good Southland Conference team. Better than Lamar, but not good. So, look, Sacramento State, I think this is going to look in game one of head coach Andy Thompson's time running the program. I think Sacramento state's going to walk away with a pretty easy win. Um, I have been accused of having a love affair with Sacramento state by, by uh, the all vandals thread uh, covering our most recent episode. And I have to say, correct. Absolutely. Correct. Uh, I think Sacramento state after Dallas's research has potential to be pretty damn solid. We're going to see it in week one.
2: I I'm just going to go with Sac State. I don't got much to say about it.
1: We also get to see who the quarter, who is probably going to be starting quarterback for Sacramento State. That's kind of a big story to come out of this game.
0: That, to me, is the only reason to watch this game, is to see who they trot out a quarterback. Uh, again, after you're doing the research, they have a ton of talent. There's not a whole lot of question marks there. They do have a question mark at quarterback. This is where you see if Carson Camp uh, is the guy after all. Other than that, this is a game Sac State should win by 40 or 50. This should be a blowout. Uh, Taylor Cash, jumping in to say 28-20. Disagreement there. Jason Mayer, 45-2 Sac State. Tom Kendall, 31-10 Sac State. Captain, 58. Nice warm-up. Uh, it is easy to love Sac. They've built a winner. I do agree with that. I don't really hate Sac State. Uh, I think their school is kind of a joke. It's just the the field isn't great. The gym is worse. But it, it it's nice to root for them. It feels like a little bit of the underdog. Uh, Patty Firks, SAC should win by a decent margin. Uh, there's nothing else interesting about this other than Sack State's quarterback. Guys, moving on. Texas A&M Commerce versus UC Davis.
1: There's going to be a lot of big sky on Southland violence in week one of <laughs> week one of the FCS season. Uh, Texas A&M Conference it, C- Commerce Jesus is another shitty Southland Conference team that is playing a pretty good. Big sky team, so look t- Texas. Here, here's the reason to be concerned. If you're UC Davis, you guys remember Lincoln, who played Portland State last season, who didn't, they didn't even have like an athletic website. We had trouble figuring out what the hell the university was and what it was affiliated with. Well, Texas A and M Commerce beat Lincoln last year, fifty-two to seven which is the equivalent of beating a Bible school 52-7. to So with that in mind, I think UC Davis walks away from this with at least two to two and a half score win. Um, Davis has less intrigue right now because they have the returners at key positions are kind of known commodities. Um, I just think this is the march for UC Davis to prove all those close losses last season was essentially just bad luck and that's it. And this is the type of game that Dan Hawkins' staff is probably not going to come close to losing.
2: Keep it short and sweet, UC Davis.
0: Yeah, in the comment section, Taylor Cash 45 17 Davis. Tom Kendall 4114. Jason Mayer 4920. Taylor Cash stopped. They're dead already. Like uh, the Southland is it's just not a great weekend for them. UC Davis wins this pretty handily. I don't know if the final score is a, a 40 point blowout, but I'm assuming it's going to feel that way watching it. Patty First, Davis by a lot. We're going to save this next one for la- for last because it's the one I think with the most intrigue. So We're going to jump forward. Montana State versus Utah Tech, uh, formerly what, Dixie State.
1: <laughs> Sorry, dude. I, I know who the next game is <laughs> for the intrigue you're talking about. Um, yeah, U- Utah Tech is obviously going to lose to Montana State. Uh, Montana State's the class of the big sky. Patty in the comment section brought up earlier the WAC slash A Sun slash United Athletic, whatever the hell it is, is not a particularly strong conference. And Utah Tech did not win that not particularly strong conference. So I think Montana State runs, the, is going to roll pretty easily. I don't think they're going to even have to throw a pass if they don't want to. Uh, I do think you're going to see both. Tommy, M- Tommy Malott is the starting quarterback, Sean Chambers, who at times last year looked better than Malott playing the exact same style. He's listed as number two on the depth chart, so I guess the intrigue is: Will the cats win by five thousand, and how much of a split before the contest is essentially over are we going to see between Malat and Chambers?
2: I MSU, I think, wins this by someone some like silly score of like seventy to seven.
0: Yeah, I I agree with. For just about every point Brian made. The, the, he explained the, the reasons to watch this game if you're a big sky diehard. Other than that, this is this is just going to be Utah Tech getting eaten alive. This, this game should be 40 points. It should be over at the end of the first quarter. Uh, another game uh, quite interesting, NAU versus Arizona.
1: See, when I was laughing earlier, I thought you were talking about the Weber game. So the intrigue around NAU Arizona is of course a couple seasons ago NAU beat Arizona and since then Arizona has at least gotten kind of better not like they're not quite the dumpster fire they're not good but they're not quite the dumpster fire last season that they were when the Wildcats lost to NAU and since that time we've we hit on this all the time on our show NAU is objectively trending downward the longer Chris Ball has been there so I don't think there's a prayer of an upset. Um, I guess the I, the other intrigue here is just roster-based of who's going to be the starting quarterback for NAU because that position transferred out. But I, NAU, to me, until proven otherwise, is one of the least interesting teams in this conference. So obviously I'm picking University of Arizona, and obviously I think it's not going to be particularly close.
2: I, Arizona wins this.
0: Yeah, Jed Fish getting his program built. Jed Fish coming from the Sean McVay coaching tree. I am wearing a Los Angeles Rams uh, NFC Champions shirt here. Um, Not to rub that into any Seahawks fans listening. Uh, Most recent Super Bowl. Uh, This is not going to be close. NAU, yes, has beaten Arizona in very recent memory,
1: but this is not going to be the same. This game should be pretty ugly pretty quick. By the way, I was wrong. The key takeaway is... How, once we're a quarter or even halfway through the NAU-Arizona game, will it be even possible to mathematically measure the non-existent buyer's remorse that Dwayne McDougal's experiencing for having left NAU for Idaho?
0: Yeah, I'm going to guess that probably midway through the second drive is going to be the point where he realizes he made one of the best decisions of his life. Uh, Comment section, jumping in with the same thing. NAU winning by near or NAU NAU losing by nearly 40, all coming from Tom Kendall, Jason Mayer, uh Captain saying about the same thing. Taylor Cash, 40 point loss, really just a whole bunch of not great. Taylor Cash asking how hot the seat is in NAU. I think that I think the Chris Paul experiment is just about over. He's had way too long to build that program.
1: Yeah, and they just a funny thing about NAU is had they fired Jerome Sowers one year one year earlier. They could have had Andy Thompson as head coach, but when Jerome Sowers stayed, that's when Andy Thompson left. And then when Jerome Sowers was fired, that's how the NAU passed over Aaron Flugrad, who would have been probably pretty good hire. He would have had his dad along as offensive coordinator, his father, Robin, former head coach at Montana, a good coach at Montana, but none of those happened. And that's why NAU is exactly what they are today.
0: Now to the game I think Brian thought I was going to be teasing. Weber State versus Division II Central Washington.
1: The big takeaway is that Weber State did not buy out their D2 game, and Idaho did. So obviously Weber wins. Obviously there's no takeaways whatsoever from this game. Let's move on. I mean, the only real takeaway is you
0: find out who the quarterback is. But Martin, any thoughts on Weber State?
2: No, I'm going to be honest. Like Brian has ingrained Jake Constantine lore into me so much. I still think he's on the team, even though he has graduated a long I mean, time ago. He graduated like three years ago.
0: <laughs> Jake Constantine forever. Uh, Jason Mayer, coach prime to NAU. I do love that. Um, that's I mean, that's really what the games that we're talking about right now, that's the most relevant comment here. Weber State wins this game and – realistically, all they get to do is feel good about the quarterback that they picked because they're going to just destroy this team. That takes us to the final game of the night, guys. But before I mention that, uh, in the comment section, Jason Mayer dropped in a little bit earlier and asked, any other games that aren't on Saturday other than Idaho? So I figured I'd just mention this real quick. Sac State at Nichols, Idaho at Lamar, Northern Colorado at ACU, UC Davis at Texas A&M Commerce, and Central Washington at Weber State. Are the games that are all happening Thursday, all the rest of them, including this one, which is happening at 1230 on Saturday. All the rest of the games are on Saturday. Eastern Washington versus North Dakota State University, Brian.
1: Yeah, so if you're watching live in the comment section, I just dropped a YouTube video to posted by Jake Constantine's mother of his highlights at Weber State. North Dakota State is going to beat Eastern Washington. The look, the hope out for Eastern out of this game is you at least see the glimmer of where the talent to turn the program around is going to be. That we against Idaho, Eastern, it, they just looked like like they weren't good. That's it. Uh, ton of transfers came in. Look, Patty, Satan in the comments section. Uh, Kikoa Vesperis looks like he's looks like he's the guy at, at, that Aaron Bess needs at the quarterback. So look, they're not going to beat North North Dakota State at all. But if Eastern's going to be good, they're, they're going to need to score points like they couldn't last year. And if Eastern's going to be good, Vesperis ha- is probably going to sh- ha- show at least glimpses throughout this game.
2: I look Shane like I I NDSU's going to win this. I'm sorry, Shane, co-worker who's a coworker. Mine is a diehard Eastern fan, and Kyler like. I get like you guys are diehard Eastern fans, but NDSU should win this one pretty handily.
0: I mean, Brian and Patty have pretty much hit hit it on the head here. You know, there's there's been some very close games uh, from Eastern and North Dakota State in the past, but the only way that there's a shot at that is if Kikoa Vesperis goes off and is the next Gage Gubrud, Eric Berrier, Vernon Adams. I mean, reaching all the way back to Eric get Meyer. I was going specifically Eastern coaches, but I love that. Jake Constantine as well. Sure, let's roll with it. Uh, his mom is probably going to somehow find that we linked this, and we're going to get dcm would for linking that video in the comments. But anyways, if Vesperis goes off like, like the typical Eastern quarterback does, there is a puncher's chance in this game. But unfortunately, I think Patty saying 42-24, I think that, that that's probably what you're looking at here is Multiple touchdown loss. that's not super close. Could turn into a 25, 30 point loss if things break wrong. Could be a close field goal touchdown game if everything breaks right.
1: Well, okay. Here's a new more specific takeaway as well to look for. Eastern was the second worst ru- rush defense in the Big Sky last season. Simultaneously, the second worst rush defense any of us have or will ever see. They just had Cal Poly who happened to somehow be worse if Eastern's transfers are going to help turn this team around like the North Dakota state is still going to run all over them, but we're at least going to see some resistance on the ground. Cause I I don't think there is a puncher's chance unless North Dakota state has 7,000 turnovers. And they typically, though they do pass the ball, they don't pass the ball enough to have that type of variability. But I I do think if you're an Eagle, those are the things you're looking for is can, can the team put up some points and can they at least look like they're thinking about stopping someone on the ground a couple times?
0: Honestly, if you see a couple stops on the ground, I think even just a couple is a, a success for Eastern. I, I I truly think this is a game where you see the punter a couple times stops. This if if Eastern is going to stick in this, I don't think they can punt once. I think they have to score on every possession, and I I just don't know if Eastern has the ability to do that against North Dakota State's defense. Any final thoughts, gentlemen, on really any of the games that we have just picked, including Idaho's, if we want to circle back.
1: Just in terms of understanding Idaho this year, it's it's when was the last time week one we were looking at Idaho and feeling comfortable? Because if you look just compare Idaho to a ton of the big sky, and it's just gonna track standings from last season. I think Montana State fans are about as relaxed as you can be. I think Montana fans this week alone are, but overall they're not because everyone in Montana knows they're going to be any good. Something has to happen that hasn't for a couple of years, but I, I feel pretty damn good about Idaho this week. And I feel pretty damn good about Idaho setting themselves up for what could be a kick-ass game, a huge win if Idaho can pull the upset off next week. We're obviously not looking past Lamar cause you got to pick up the win right now, but You know, if if I if I just compare narrative wise, Idaho to a ton of the Big Sky, a ton of the Big Sky playing, you know, what should be easy wins, uh, the narrative itself of Idaho to me is honestly just on paper more interesting than most of the Big Sky.
0: Yeah, uh, to answer your question, Brian, I think the last time that we went into a season thinking positively going into week one was probably 2017, uh, the year after the bowl win, and I think they beat Sacramento State that year. Uh, in the first round, uh, it was
2: like 21 6 or something like that. Yeah, 20, it no, was 28
0: 6. 28 6. That, yes, that is right. 28 6. That's that's realistically the last time we, we really felt like this. This is hopefully, fingers crossed, not going to be like every other time that Idaho's had a decent team in the FBS years. FBS years seem to always be a massive letdown after a solid season. This is. Again, if everything goes right the way it's supposed to on the paper, this is the first time we're going to feel really good about the team moving into year
1: two. Yeah, Captain put it best. This win could be verging on Simon Fraser territory. Yeah, enough said. But Before we close it out, you guys always remember to support Tubbs of the Club at patreon.com backslash Tubs of the club. And related to that, I do have to give a quick direct message to two patrons. Kurt Borchard, Dan Crotzer. Tubbs of the club is trying to buy you a shirt from walk on walk on apparel for being one of the top tier sponsors for a while. Please check your Twitter direct message. We are trying to buy you a shirt and mail it. Need you to respond so that we can do that. Tubbs has done that for, we sent out a handful of shirts this last week from walk on apparel for our patrons. We have two more. And if you sign up at at the top level, which is just under 20 bucks, like 1944, 1948, whatever, uh, a new a, a shirt from walk-on will eventually be yours too
0: and for anybody that you know again as we're talking about patreon if anybody wants to join our patreon it's patreon.com backslash of the club this is the best time of year to be on the the patreon if you're in my opinion at least because you get the discord benefit we have game day threads if you want to hang out and talk you know some people like all vandals some people aren't internet people like old school internet people with forums and message boards so anybody that's wanting to talk Idaho football and wants a pretty easy way to do it, the Discord app is super easy to use. It's a good place to just hang out, talk talk football with other Vandals. With that said, everybody, 5 o'clock Pacific time on Thursday, Idaho down in Beaumont, Texas against the Lamar Cardinals. Go Vandals. Go Vandals.
2: Go Vandals? I-D-A-H-O